Come with me, we're going on a fantastic. Welcome to the Fantastic Cruising Halloween Special. <laughs> and now it's time to turn off the lights, sit back, and get ready for some scary stories, creepy creatures, and horrific Halloween fun. Let's begin our journey with the story of a shark attack. September 2003. Researchers off the coast of southwestern Australia have been tracking a great white shark. They want to learn more about her reproductive cycles and migration patterns. The shark is dubbed Shark Alpha. It's a nine-foot Carcharodon carcarius, a great white shark. The scientists set out to attach an expensive piece of equipment to the shark. This special tag has a GPS signal. It also tracks the depth and temperature of where the shark is swimming. They successfully tag Shark Alpha, and then they begin to wait, monitoring for the data to come back, saying that the tag is ready to be retrieved. And then it happens. January 2004. The GPS signal indicates that the tag is floating near the surface, and it's ready for retrieval. The tag is brought back to the lab where the data can be recovered and analyzed. What these scientists find out next is shocking. Four months after Shark Alpha has the tag attached to her body, she is swimming off the coast of southern Australia when suddenly something happens. The recovered data on the tag indicates a sudden drop 1,902 feet into the depths right off the continental shelf. The temperature readings spike from 46 degrees Fahrenheit to 78 degrees Fahrenheit. What happened to Shark Alpha? How did she plummet so fast? And what caused this temperature rise? As the scientists look at the data, they are shocked. They're baffled. They don't even believe it at first. The only conclusion they can come to? Shark Alpha was attacked and devoured. But what creature? could attack a nine-foot great white shark and plummet it 1,900 feet into the abyss. What powerful sea creature, sea monster, would be capable of such a feat? Lots of debate has taken place since the disappearance of Shark Alpha. Some scientists say that it was another great white shark, perhaps a 14, 15, or 16-footer. Sharks have been known to be cannibals, so maybe this is possible. The problem is, what about that temperature spike? Great white sharks don't have that much higher of a temperature than the water around them. Why would the temperature spike for so long? And for eight days after Shark Alpha disappeared, the tag indicates that whatever was swimming around with it kept surfacing and then going back to a depth of about 330 feet. What could have done this? More scientists looked at the data and they speculated perhaps a killer whale, an orca, that is found in those waters could have grabbed this creature. They're warm-blooded, dragged it into the abyss. But are they big enough? Are they strong enough? Would they even do that? Other scientists said maybe a sperm whale. These leviathans are known to eat giant squid, and they certainly have the capacity to dive into the deepest depths. Some even think maybe it was a giant squid itself that attacked Shark Alpha, dragging it into the depths, into the deep, 
and then coming back up for the next eight days to look for more prey. Giant squid have been known to reach lengths of well over 30 or 40 feet. Could it have been the Kraken of legend? Or perhaps it was something else. Perhaps it was something bigger, more ferocious. Perhaps it was something that we don't even know exists and it's swimming out there right now in the waters off of southwestern Australia, waiting for its next victim. In December of 1872, the American brigantine Mary Celeste was found deserted and adrift in the Atlantic Ocean. The ship was slightly disheveled, but in a seaworthy condition under partial sail. The cargo, captain, and crew member belongings were intact and undisturbed. The only thing missing was a lifeboat and the crew, and neither have ever been seen or heard from again. <laughs> Matt, Matt, <laughs> I think we've scared people enough. What? What? Let's let's stop being scary. Stop being scary? That's easy for you to say. What do you want to be, funny? Yeah, let's be funny. Let's try playing a game. Like Halloween Heads Up? Yeah. All right, for those of you out there that don't know how this works, basically one of us is going to take a phone and we're going to press a button. It's going to bring up a word and we're going to put it on our forehead. So let's say that maybe I'll go first. I'll put the phone up to my forehead. Kimber will be able to see the word and she has to give me clues and then I have to guess what the word is. Now the rules are she cannot say the words or part of the words that I'm trying to guess. And just so you know, these are just not random heads up questions. We each made our own personal deck. So she's going to try and get me to guess her words and I'm going to try and get her to guess my words. Now the fun thing is you guys can play along. All you have to do is see if you can beat us to guess what the answer is in Heads Up. Halloween Heads Up! <laughs> Sorry. Okay, this is something you find on the beach. Sand. And you could probably eat it. Oh, a, a jellyfish? No, a fish. Sand fish. A fish sand. No, it goes... <laughs> a dolphin fish. A mahi-mahi. No. A mermaid. She brews a potion. A witch fish. A fish witch. But you find it on the beach. It's white and fluffy. And you find it on the beach. A fish towel? Nope. <laughs> a fish marshmallow. <laughs> the first thing you said... Was sand. A sandwich. Yeah. Okay, so this is something that's kind of creepy, and it's on a ship, and it's where you stay. A creepy cabin. Close. A, a haunted cabin. Yes. Um, he goes, R. A pirate. Yeah. All right, how many did we get? We got a few. Let's see. We got... Three. Three. Okay. All right, so now it's my turn. I'm going to give you clues. So let's go ahead and we can start it.
Okay, this is a fish that doesn't look like a fish, and somebody would be riding it, but they'd be missing a seahorse. Yes, but this is this is um, this is one that's got a rider that's missing a very important part of their anatomy. A headless seahorse. That's correct. Okay, this is like if you were on a cruise, but everybody else was dead and ethereal, and they could pass through walls. It would be one of these. A ghost ship. Yes. Okay, this is the worst nightmare for the Titanic. A sinking ship. Well, what caused that? A crash? No, what did, what did it crash into? Oh, an iceberg. Yes. This is your least favorite animal and me when I haven't had food for a while. A spider? And then me when I haven't had food for a while. Angry spider? Uh, okay, but crawls uh, in the ocean floor. A... Spider crab. Oh. <laughs> All right, what do we get? Three. Three. We, we, well, hey, we're consistent. If That's nothing right. Else. <laughs> All right, well, I'm having fun. Are you having fun? I am having fun. Let's. I'm going to let you do another one, see if we can get more than three, see if we can beat our record. We'll, we'll see if we get any repeat words, though, because I only made ten words. Yeah, I only made ten words. You can make too. an unlimited amount, but I only did ten. So let's see what happens. Okay. Okay, this is the lead person of a ship, but a very specific one whose hand is missing. A pirate captain. But it is a very specific... Pet Captain Hook. Yes. Um, this is a time right after Halloween that typically happens in Mexico. Day of the Dead. Yes. Um, it is a... It's not an orc and it's not a goblin part of it yes goblin shark yeah (laughs) um it's a really big octopus thing that eats the ship the kraken yeah um this is a celebration that happens around october october 31st on a cruise halloween party yeah um, I think we got more that time. I think we did. Let's see what we got. Five. Five. That was pretty good. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to, now let's try it again. Only this time you can guess and I'll give you clues and we'll see what happens. All right. And here we go. Okay, this is the person that is in charge of the entertainment on the cruise. Oh, I could I wasn't supposed to say cruise. I'll pass, pass it. that one. Frankenstein cruise director. This is a vampire's favorite drink at the bar. A uh, blood? It's it's part of it. Me Mary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is one of the scariest things a cruise passenger can find, and they find it usually on the last day of the cruise if they've been visiting the bar a lot. A bill? Yeah, specifically a... A really high bill? Because of the bar, it's a what? A tab? Well, but what are they buying? Drinks? Yes. A drink tab? uh, Of of drink bill? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, this is is a small creature that lives on the beach, and it's named after something you can see through that's a monster. 
A ghost? And what kind of shrimp? No, not a shrimp, but a a ghost. Ghost crab. A ghost crab. You yes. like to do the crab things, don't do, you? I do. I do. Let's see how many we got. Only two. Two. So we did better on yours and worse on mine. Yep. Okay. Well, if you thought that was fun, let us know. Fantasticcruising at gmail.com. And maybe we'll get some words from you guys and we'll play this game in future episodes. So yeah. let us know if you liked it or not. And that will help us determine whether we do this again. So it's cruise creature time, and while trying to come up with what we were going to do for the cruise creature this week, we discovered that there are a lot of different creatures and animals with Halloween names. So I'm going to name some of them, and then maybe we'll do the cruise creature, and you can figure out which one it might be. So we have the ghost shrimp, the goblin shark, the Halloween crab. Oh, that's a good one. Halloween. That seems like the most. Yeah, it's definitely. Those are in the Caribbean too. Yeah. Um, the vampire squid. <laughs> blah blah. Blah I'm blah the blah. Vampire squid. The bat ray. The ghost mantis. Ooh. The death head cockroach. Oh, I used to have those at the zoo when I was a zookeeper. I kept death head cockroaches. They're really cool. They're big. They're like three or four inches. And um, they have, it looks like a little face, almost like a skull face, right on their plate that covers their head. Gross. Cool. No, it's cool. It's not gross. <laughs> the witch flounder. Witch flounder? The witch flounder. Witch flounder? Okay. The wolf eel. Ooh. The spider crab. Oh, your favorite. No. Oh. We actually, those are really common in Florida. I see those a lot in Florida, spider crabs. We used to have those at the aquarium, right? Yeah, we had the big ones. Yeah. But in Florida, we have like smaller species of spider crab, and they're they're in the sand at the beach. But when I find one, I always go, spider crab, spider crab. <laughs> okay. Ghost ants. Oh, I don't, I don't like those. A thorny devil. Ah, thorny devil. Those are all our friends over in Oz. The thorny devil. Those are really cool. They're they're little lizards. And they have little spiky things all over them. They're really, really neat looking. They're super cute. They're very cute. And and here's something cool about them. They actually, they live in the desert, the outback. And so they, they don't have a lot of standing water to drink. And so what they do is, what they do, they walk through the morning dew and the, their little spines collect the, the droplets of water and they get knocked off onto the lizard's skin. And the way that their skin is arranged, the water runs right into their mouth. So they're like their own personal water fountain. That's cool. Yeah. And refreshing. <laughs> okay. We have the skeleton panda sea squirt. Which I had never heard of. And they are really crazy looking. <laughs> they are super cute. When you showed me the picture of those, I thought it was like from a video game. Like I, I didn't think it was an actual photograph of a real animal. But it is because we saw more pictures and then I, I was looking on the phone when we when I saw it bigger. Yeah. these You know, what's really weird about squirts, sea squirts, is that they are in the same phylum as we are. Really? Yeah. So, you know, when people usually they say vertebrates and invertebrates. But scientifically speaking, that doesn't make a ton of sense because we're in the phylum chordata, which means we have a notochord. And usually that translates into a backbone. And then you have all these other phylums that include most of the animal kingdom, but 
your amphibians, fish, reptiles, birds, and mammals are in the chordata phylum, and so are sea squirts. So, so, so we're, we're basically a sea squirt. Well, I mean, we're closer related to sea squirts than, say, an octopus. Okay. Yeah. And they're basically, sea squirts are just these, like, spongy-looking things with a couple openings. They're creepy. <laughs> Tunicates. All right. All right. We have ghost shark. Blah. Vampire bat. Blah, blah. The Gila monster. Gila monster. Gila monsters are pretty cool. They're not yeah. monsters. I'm not a monster. How about a demon mole rat? Demon mole rat. Now, we put an asterisk by this one because I, I think from what we saw when we did our research, you found this one. And, uh-huh. and uh, it was hard to confirm that this is a real thing that exists. But uh, we think it is because we saw several references to it and a scientific name, which the species name is actually Damon, which is creepy. And apparently they communicate through seismic vibration. So they're like headbangers, which makes sense for a demon. You yeah, know, I like, also saw like headbanging mole rats. Yeah, so yeah. I guess was, they're called both things. Well, they're, they were talking about their communication skills. And, yeah. and, and so they communicate through headbanging. I was more of a punk rocker, not really into the headbanging stuff. But, you know, I, I could dig some of it. All right. So we have Death's Head Hawk Moth. Ooh. A clownfish? Which you said add the clownfish. I said why? And then you reminded me that there's a good percentage of the population that are terrified of clowns. So I said that, okay, I'll, I'll go with that. Although yeah. I, I don't think of Nemo as being terrifying. Well, I don't think any clownfish actually looks terrifying. Probably not. Yeah. Um, the Halloween pennant. Which is basically a type of moth. No, dragonfly. Which is basically a type of dragonfly that is orange and black. Its wings are orange and black. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, I love dragonflies, and I had not heard of that one. And obviously I forgot it was a dragonfly, but uh, but really cool. Yeah. Um, a batfish? Batfish. No, 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 batfish. And those are, we have those at the aquarium, and they kind of walk around on their fins and they have a little lure thing that pops out, sort of like an anglerfish type deal. And they're really cryptic, which means they kind of camouflage in really well from above. But if you pick them up, which I've never done at the aquarium, but I, I did on a little expedition, they have little colorful bellies. Oh, really? Yeah, and if you touch them like right between the eyes, their lure pops out. It's oh. like, it's pretty cool. The pumpkin bug. Oh, okay. A satanic leaf-tailed gecko. Which I have not had personally as a pet, but I have taken care of them when I worked at reptile pet stores. And leaf-tailed geckos are really, really cool. The satanic leaf-tailed geckos are the coolest of the cool because they're, like I said, that word cryptic. They're very, very cryptic. A lot of animals that try and blend in with like dead leaves and things like that, they end up looking sort of evil and they get... Names like Satanic Leaftail Gecko. <laughs> right. The Ghost Crab. More ghosts. The Skeleton Shrimp. Oh. It should be the Exoskeleton Shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a group of shrimp, I think. Hmm. Not like a band, but, you know. Just yeah. Like a, yeah. A Hellbender. Oh, yes. Those are from Missouri, where I'm from. Oh. They're basically salamanders. They're pretty big for a North American salamander and they excrete a 
sort of chemical toxin that tastes apparently I haven't tried it tastes terrible and that's and that's why they're hellbenders. Hmm. I, actually, I don't I don't know what bending hell means, but anyway, yeah, hellbenders, really cool and very very rare, very cool Missouri animal. All right, the blood python. Yes, I'm familiar with those two blood pythons. If you are a snake person, you're probably familiar with ball pythons as they are pretty much everybody's pet snake these days. But the blood python is a similar body shape. They get bigger, a little bit bigger, and they have sort of a reds and orange and creams. But the thing that I always think of when I think of blood pythons is when they get stressed out or scared, they have a nasty habit of flinging their poop at you. And they're very good at it. Ew. Yeah, it's gross. Gross. Okay, the rock-haunting ringtail possum. Another Australian animal. The rock-haunt... I'd never heard of these. The rock-haunting ringtail possum. Any of our Oz listeners out there, do you know about these things? They're, they're just, they just look like cute little possums. I don't know why they're called haunting. Well, it said that they like live in rocks and stuff, so it's like they're haunting the rocks. Oh, okay. All well, right. I don't know. That's my guess. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to be haunted, I'd prefer it was by a small, cute possum. Yeah. A ghost catfish. More ghost animals. Yeah, I used to have ghost catfish. Could you see them? Yes. <laughs> but I had one named Pink. Pink? Yeah, it wasn't pink. It was like clear, but I named it pink. Why? Well, I named all of my fish colors at the time, so I had blue and orange, and that one was pink. Okay, all right. <laughs> vampire shrimp. Blah, blah. I, I had never heard of the vampire shrimp. Squid, yes. Bat, yes. But yeah, not that one. The bearded ghoul, or it's also called the demon stinger. <laughs> Which is a fish. And um, I believe it's related to like scorpion fish, lion fish. It looks sort of like a stonefish or scorpion fish where it's, again, I'm going to use that word cryptic, but you don't want to step on one of its dorsal spines as it will give you a painful sting. We have the spider monkey. Another one of your favorites. You like spider monkeys. I like monkeys. You like spider monkeys. They're cute. Sure. Um, the devil's flower mantis. Which is really cool. I, I used to take care of a lot of different types of mantids, and I didn't have any of those, but I did have some uh, orchid mantids. There's different species of those, too. So they're, again, very cryptic looking and very, very, very cool looking mantises. We have the skeleton knee tarantula. Yes, I added that one. Because they uh, basically, th think of a black tarantula with some white markings on its legs that sort of looks like bones. Ew. Which they don't actually have any bones, but they look like they have bones. So. It gives me chills just thinking about it. Oh, they're cute. Mm. How about the ghost-faced bat? Another ghost. Yes. And finally, I left this one for last because you really liked the scientific name of this one. It is the zombie worms or bone-eating snot flower. The bone-eating snot flower. Now, look, okay, first of all, this is a polychaete, which means that it's a marine worm, a segmented marine worm, so related to earthworms, but the marine variety. And there are a whole bunch of these. We could have probably added the bobbit worm, which is named after that bobbit, if you know the story. But anyway, this one, its scientific name is... Osidax mucaflorus, 
which literally translates into bone eating mucus flower or bone eating snot flower. Yeah. What a great animal. And what they do is they they live in the depths and they actually burrow into the bone of like dead whales and they eat I believe like the maybe the fat tissue and stuff. I don't know. It's pretty it's pretty creepy stuff. Yeah. Is that all the animals that are on our list? That is all of the Halloween-themed animals that we could find. Yeah, so if you know one that we missed, a Halloween animal obviously doesn't have to be a cruise creature. Not all those are cruise creatures. But if you do, let us know, fantasticcruising at gmail.com. All right, so on with the cruise creature, the one that we chose, it's called the Luska. That wasn't on our list. No. That's because it's not actually real. But for the next few minutes, let's pretend that it is. Bum, bum, bum. The Luska is a creature from Bohemian mythology. Well, I mean, they don't think it's a myth. So, well, some of them probably do. Most of them probably do. But anyway, th- this is what it is. It is usually described as an octopus with a shark head. That is the Luska, an octopus with a shark head. Supposedly, it can get somewhere between 75 and 200 feet long. The Luska. What do you think? I think that's big. That's really big. Like, giant squid probably max out at about 40 feet or so, 45 feet maybe. That's a lot bigger than that's that. That's like four times that. Yeah. Yeah. So... These are huge animals, and they, uh, the, the only specimen that's ever been documented, supposedly, was one that washed up in St. Augustine, Florida. Way back in the 1800s, the late 1800s, there, it was like 1896, there was a big mass that washed up on the shores of St. Augustine, Florida, and uh, they they took pictures of it. There's photographs from the newspaper of the time. They sent samples off to prominent scientists, and they came back with the answer that first they thought it was a squid, then they said maybe some sort of giant octopus. Now, some of the more modern people think that it was probably just adipose from a sperm whale. That's fat, basically. But let's just discount that for the moment, because this is a Halloween episode. And let's say that it was a giant octopus with a shark head that washed up all the way up in St. Augustine. How do you know it wasn't a shark with an octopus bottom? Uh, Anyway, (laughs) the Luska is said to live in the Bahamas mostly in these things called blue holes. Have you ever heard of a hole that's blue? (laughs) (laughs) It's where the Smurfs live. No, blue holes are a real thing. They They are in different places around the world. And Andros Islands in the, or Andros Island in the Bahamas has quite a few of them. In fact, it has about 170 inland blue holes and about 50 oceanic blue holes. Now, basically, a blue hole is a deep hole with water, and that makes it look blue. Because it's deeper. And it's bluer. <laughs> Rena, yep. Rena likes blue. Is Reno's a Luska. Now, 
These holes are formed were formed probably during the Ice Age, and uh, some of them can be really deep. The deepest one I think is in China. The one in Andros, or the ones in Andros, are pretty deep though. They can be hundreds of feet deep. But the really fascinating thing about Andros Island and these blue holes is that Andros Island is known to have a drop off from about 115 feet to about 1.24 miles, like really sharp drop off underwater so it's you know just the perfect place for one of these creatures and these blue holes right there they are connected with caves that go all the way through connecting the different blue holes in andros as well as out into the atlantic ocean so where do these caves go I mean, we have caves all through the state of Florida. That's the aquifer. That's where we get fresh water that bubbles up into the spring. So this is just like a giant aquifer that's under the ocean. A perfect home for the Luska. That's right. (laughs) You could Luska yourself in these blue holes. Okay. Now, here's the thing. The Luskas, um, they supposedly will attack humans. In fact, there are quite a few eyewitness reports of fishing boats being sucked into these blue holes. This is why they say this is where they live. They, they think they feed on these big crustaceans that live in the blue holes. But some scientists speculate that maybe what's happening is all the different wave changes and tidal changes sometimes produce whirlpools in the blue holes. Or is it the Luska sucking these fishermen down into the abyss? Also, supposedly... Several divers have disappeared while exploring these blue holes. Do they drown? I mean, cave diving is very dangerous. Or were they eaten by the Luska? I don't think we'll ever know. No, probably not. Well, one thing I do know is that we need to go to the Keys, probably specifically Key West, because that's a, that's a port stop. Yeah, it is. I suspect some of our listeners have been to Key West as a port stop, and uh, maybe, well, they haven't been there at night, but maybe they don't know. Key West is famous for a lot of things. Parties. It's famous for parties. It's famous for... Drinking. It's, it's famous for drinking. It's famous for six-toed cats that live at Ernest Hemingway's old mansion. Six toes. Yes, six toes on each paw. So 24 toes. 24 toed cats. I think they're. I think they have six on each paw. They definitely have six on two of their paws. I think huh. it's all four. Maybe it's just the front two. Anyway, it's also supposed to be haunted. Haunted. Haunted, and this is one of the worst kinds of hauntings because it's haunted by a doll, Robert the doll. That doesn't sound scary. Oh, it's scary. Here is the story of Robert the doll. 534 Eaton Street in Key West, Florida, was a home built between 1890 and 1898. This home still stands today, and you could even stay there if you're really brave. But we need to go back to the early 1900s, when it was owned by the Otto family. A young boy named Robert Eugene Otto, but he went by the name Gene. He lived there with his family, and he was given a gift. Now, there's some debate on where this gift came from. Did it come from his grandfather or did it come from a servant? A servant of the family who is from the Bahamas. A servant of the family who was mistreated by his parents. 
a servant of the family who is knowledgeable in black magic and voodoo. Regardless of how Jean got this gift, we know one thing. It was a doll that he gave his name Robert to. Robert the Doll. Robert the Doll stood about the same height as a small boy. In fact, to this day, Robert the Doll wears a sailor's costume that is believed to have been owned and worn by Jean himself. Now, when Jean first got this doll, he reacted as many children would. He was excited. This was a pretty interesting doll. In fact, some say it was actually supposed to be a mannequin and was never even intended to be a toy. Well, Jean took this doll with him everywhere he went. He had conversations with this doll. But what was weird is his parents said sometimes the doll spoke back. At first, of course, they thought it was just Jean making the doll's voice. I mean, what kid hasn't done that? But this voice was a little too deep. Later, Jean's parents would be woken up in the middle of the night to him screaming in terror. They'd rush into his bedroom to find furniture smashed and the room completely disheveled. But there was Jean sound asleep in the bed and Robert the doll sitting in a chair. They'd wake Jean up and he would have no recollection of the incident or he would blame the doll for everything that happened. Now Jean grew up as most young boys do and he was interested in art. He eventually went away to New York and then Paris to study his trade. During this time, his parents were so uncomfortable with Robert the doll that they put him up in the attic and locked him away. People that walked by the house claimed they could see Robert move about. Sometimes guests claimed they could hear footsteps upstairs and evil laughter. Eventually, Jean came home with his new wife, Anne, and they moved into the auto house and took it for their own. Now, Jean was still attached to this doll, and when he was reunited, his relationship with Robert would start anew. It was said that Gene would keep Robert with him wherever he went. He even gave him his own room. You can imagine that Anne was not at all pleased with this situation. Sometimes it's said that he would set Robert down next to him while he painted. As time went on, Gene started to develop some strange behaviors. He would get really angry. He would get really violent. And then he would be back to normal. This, of course, concerned Anne, and she just grew to loathe this doll. She knew it was Robert the doll that was controlling her husband's behaviors. As time went on and the couple grew older together, there were still people that claimed they saw Robert the doll moving around the house. Visitors that they had also claimed to hear the footsteps and the giggling. Jean eventually died in 1974, and two years later, Anne followed him to the grave. The house was then purchased by a new family, a family with a young daughter, and it all began again. Weird happenings, footsteps, evil giggles. The family was so upset by this that they gave the doll to a museum, the Martella Museum where you can go still today and visit Robert the Doll for yourself. But be warned, if you go to see Robert, Robert has some rules. 
and you better follow them. His rules are simple. If you want to take a picture or video of Robert, you better ask his permission. People who have not asked Robert's permission have met some pretty awful fates. Car accidents, broken limbs, all sorts of horrible, horrible things. There are even letters all over the walls around Robert's current home from people apologizing to Robert for not following the rules. Offerings, hopes of forgiveness, so that the curse Robert put on them will cease. Are you going to Key West soon? Are you brave enough to go to the Martella Museum and visit Robert the Doll? If you do, tell him I said hello. So you've been to Key West, right, Matt? Yes, a few times. Uh, have you seen this doll? Like, is it really as creepy as what they say? Oh, it's creepy. Robert the Doll is for real. I did a ghost tour and I got to go see Robert. I'll put the I'll put the pictures, which I did ask permission to take. Well, I think I just have one picture. Maybe, well, they're all kind of the same. Although, he, well, it depends on, he moved a little bit while I was taking pictures of it. He moved? <laughs> well, that's between me and Robert. But I will put maybe a picture of Robert the doll that I took in Key West. Would you go see Robert the doll? I don't know. I'm kind of like, this can't possibly be real. But at the same time... Well, look, I can't vouch for whether the stories are real. Uh, I can't vouch for whether the supernatural part of it's real. But I can vouch for Robert the doll being real. The house is real. Gene was a real person. And there is definitely some historical truth within the story. That's kind of creepy. Well, this is a Halloween episode. That's true. I guess that's fitting then. I don't know. I don't. I. I mean, I guess I would do it when we were in St. Augustine. I. I did the ghost tour. It's true. I didn't freak out that much. Now, if you go to Key West on a cruise, you're only going to be there during the day. So I've only seen Robert at night in the museum. So it probably was more creepy then. Plus, it was on a ghost tour, so it was in that context, which made it super creepy. If you went there during the day, I don't know if it would be as creepy. And there's some other ghost stories or creepy stories that they tell you on the ghost tour. One of them, I'm not going to go through the whole story. Maybe I'll save it for another time. But one of them is totally true. It's There's no supernatural involved in it. It has to do with a man who is in love and he just couldn't let go of his wife who had passed and what happened? He preserved her and kept her with him. He dug her up. Oh. Yeah. He shouldn't have done that. I mean, to each their own. Yeah, but that's just kind of like gross. <laughs> <laughs> the following account has been taken from a journal of a cruise passenger that was reported missing in 2018. As part of the agreement to get this journal, the name of the ship and the cruise line will be left anonymous. Today we were at Grand Turk. It's a beautiful island. I got off of the ship, didn't go far, just got in the water, swam around a bit, saw some pretty fish. It was a great day. 
went to the pool, had a couple drinks at Margaritaville, then stumbled back aboard the ship for a nice dinner and a show. At about 11 p.m., I came to bed, having a fun, full day. I fell asleep very quickly and very soundly, until about two in the morning, when I suddenly woke up to a slight tapping on my door. I ignored the knocking, assuming it was just some kids walking by, giving a little prank to my cabin door, or maybe somebody that was lost looking for their cabin got the wrong one. Could have even been a knock down the hallway, and I just happened to hear it and wake up from it. So I rolled over and I went back to sleep. Just a few minutes later, I heard the knocking again, only this time it was much, much louder and very aggressive. It startled me. I jumped out of bed and I looked through the peephole. There was nobody there. So I threw a shirt on and I opened the door and looked out in the passageway. It was empty. It was quiet. But at the end of the hall, there was a figure, a woman wearing a red dress, and she was looking right at me waving her finger at me as if she wanted me to follow her. I called out to her, just in a sort of quiet voice, Hello? She didn't say anything. She disappeared around the corner. I quickly followed after her, and uh, as I turned the corner, there she was again, down the hallway. I tried to catch up, I tried to pick up my pace, but the faster I walked, she just stayed the same distance away from me. The weird thing is, she seemed like she wasn't going any faster. When she got to the section with the elevators and stairs, she decided to take the stairs. I saw her go up and I followed her up. Two decks, three decks, finally we were on deck six. And this ship I was on, deck six, is the one that has the wraparound open air deck that goes completely around the ship. She walked outside and I followed her. She kept going towards the bow of the ship. We were on the starboard side. Along we went, I kept trying to walk faster, she kept staying the same distance away from me. Then she went around the corner, around the front of the ship, and when I got there, I didn't see her. I quickly ran to the other side of the ship, to the port side, and she was nowhere to be found. She was just gone, vanished, nothing. Suddenly a terrible thought went through my mind. What if this woman just jumped overboard? I quickly ran to the banister and I looked over, nothing. I didn't see anything, but suddenly I realized that there was a song in the air. It was the sweetest song I had ever heard. At first I thought it must be coming from one of the nightclubs. I don't know what time it was. I looked down and I realized that I left my watch in the cabin. The music was calling to me. I couldn't make out any of the words, but I swear I could hear a voice beckoning to me saying, Join me. Join me. I kept looking out into the darkness. Suddenly, I thought I saw a flash of red, and I swear, I saw that woman in the waves. She didn't look distressed. She looked like she was swimming. I don't remember what happened over the next few minutes. All I remember is that song and an overwhelming desire to join this woman in the sea. I don't know how, but I eventually came to my senses, and when I did, I had one leg over the banister. The music had stopped. The ship looked a little lighter than it had before. I hadn't realized how dark it had been outside. I quickly went and looked for a crew member, and when I found one, I told him exactly what had happened. I told him that I was concerned that maybe this woman was overboard and we needed to do something. We needed to stop. We needed to try and save her. The crew member got on his radio and immediately sent a message to the bridge in Italian. 
I don't know what he said, but the ship started to slow down, and he took me to security, where I recounted the entire experience I had just had. There were crew members running all around. There were spotlights in the water. We sat down and watched the video, saw me going out of my room, saw me going through the hallway, saw me going up the stairs and out onto the deck and around, but we didn't see any sign of a woman anywhere. As you can imagine, the ship's crew, the ship's captain, were not pleased with me. The captain gave me a serious tongue lashing and he told me that if anything else like this were to happen for the rest of the crews, they would not hesitate to leave me at the next port. Needless to say, I was upset. I was confused. I went back to my cabin and I went to sleep. The next day. It's been a sea day and no sign of anything weird going on today. I've had a couple drinks, tried to keep to myself. Even though nobody knew who I was that made this report, I feel like everybody's looking at me saying, that's the guy, that's the one, that's the crazy man. He's the one that saw the woman that wasn't there. He's the reason why we're late to the next port stop. All the crew looked at me with a sneer. Nobody was happy with me. So I stayed out of everybody's way and just hung to the shadows, and tried to make the best of it. That night, I went back to my cabin early. 9 p.m. I was already in bed. I was laying there, trying to sleep. It was kind of stormy outside, and I was watching the light reflecting from the porthole window on my wall. Suddenly, it went dark. I immediately looked over to the porthole, and I saw her face filling up the entire porthole. Her eyes seemed to glow reddish orange there was a green tint to her skin i was terrified petrified but i couldn't move i looked into her eyes and i heard the song again i heard the song but her lips were not moving and i could suddenly hear her saying join me join me I don't know how to describe the emotions I was feeling, somewhere between an intense attraction and desire to be with this woman and bone-chilling fear and terror. Finally, I got the nerve. I got up out of bed. I ran to the door and closed it behind me, then sat there, panting. What was I going to do? Should I go to security? Should I alert the captain? And then I remembered the ordeal I went through the last two nights. I did not want to get kicked off the ship. I had no way to get back. I had no travel insurance. Besides, I don't even know, does travel insurance cover getting kicked off a ship? I decided to keep it to myself. I turned around. I slowly opened my cabin door and looked inside. It looked normal. I turned the lights on. There was no face in the porthole anymore. Was I going crazy? I don't know. But I can tell you this. I'm writing this story down so that you know. If the songs come tonight, I think I'm going to go swimming. Well, we're almost done with our creepy Halloween episode, but we did get a listener email from our good friend Tony Dials. At the time this is out, he will be out on his first cruise ever. Woohoo! Tony, I know you are going to love it, and you are going... This may be your first cruise, but I don't think it'll be your last. Well, Tony sent us a scary story, and I'm just going to go over it and tell you a little bit about it. This happened to Tony. He says it's a true story, that he really experienced some of these things. So, he was a camp counselor for Big Brothers and Sisters, and it was him and two other counselors. They went 
for a, like a quick camping trip. You've never been camping, right, Kimber? Nope. Camping is fun, um, but I totally get how it can get creepy sometimes. And it got creepy for Tony on this trip. This is what this is what they were doing. They were out getting their fire going, and all of a sudden they started hearing like this rhythmic drumming, like sort of a Native American drumming, like do do. Yeah. I, I don't know what it sounds like, but anyway, that would be creepy in and of itself. But you know, I mean, maybe somebody's out there playing the drums. I was once hiking somewhere and somebody started playing a bagpipe. So this is the part that gets a little weird for me, Tony. It says they tried to follow it. Okay, that's. This is the part in the horror movie when you go, what are you doing? Oh, was there something really scary and terrifying coming from over there? Let's go over there and check it out. But that's what Tony did. So him and his friends, they went over and and they found like an old horse trail. And uh, he said there were like prints in the dirt and stuff. And they followed it. The sound kept getting louder and louder and more audible. And they heard the sound of like wood breaking and loud crashing noises and china breaking. And they were completely dumbfounded and silent as they walked. They just remember, he says he remembers the hair standing on end and goosebumps popping out all over his body. Have you ever had an experience like that where something was like really super creepy? I mean, no, I don't think so. And if it was, I wouldn't walk towards it. <laughs> So they walked on the trail and it kept getting louder and they came to a clearing with a few old trees around a, an old dilapidated farmhouse. I should also say this takes place in Ohio, someplace called Hocking Hill. Anyway, they came to this house, this dilapidated farmhouse, and, uh, and, and they were looking around and the porch was kind of sunken in and almost all the windows had been broken. The roof had big holes in it and it had large tree branches poking out. So there's, now they're at this farmhouse with like it's all broken and dilapidated and trees are growing inside the house. That means it's been that way for a long time. They sat curled behind a thick tree and listened. You're still there, Tony? What are you doing? They listened as it sounded like the house was falling apart from the inside out. He said their breathing was short and shuddering and he could feel his body shaking as he was so scared, caught up in the imagination of what that noise was. But he's still there. He's crazy. Tony, you're crazy. (laughs) Slowly, they decided to to peek around the tree, and they saw that a flickering light appeared in the lower window. They decided to go look. You went and looked? They decided to go look because they just had to know. So the three of them crept around the tree, staying as low as possible. The sounds were debilitating, and they they reverberated within their bones. But yet they kept going forward. The moon seemed to have disappeared and all the other lights seemed extinguished around their surroundings. He was in front. The other two were behind him. So that means you're even crazier, Tony. And they walked in single file. They were holding onto his shirt with like a death grip. Well, yeah. As they got closer, the noises kept getting louder and more sinister. And they heard what sounded like chopping, like an axe hitting something squishy and wet before hitting wood. Ew. <laughs> they heard screaming and eventually felt the ground shaking with every hit. Why is he not going back? I don't know. Tony, why did you not go back? They noticed that the closer they got to the house, the more things were dead. The grass weeds and some of the trees looked like they were decomposing there were skeletons of birds and squirrels here and there this is not the place you want to be no 
To quote Tony here, to say I was scared is an understatement. I felt damned. I felt like never again would anything be okay. Almost like how Dementors make humans feel in Harry Potter. The world was going to end. Well, hey, there's a reference. You can get the Harry Potter reference. <laughs> that seems like a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. But then I just kind of got a little jolly in the middle of the story because I was thinking about Harry Potter. Anyway, they made it to the house because they had to see uh, what if someone was dying. So, okay, so this is why he's going on, Kimbra. Because he's a hero. He's a hero. And and he's much braver than I am. If there was somebody dying in that house, they would have been dead if I had been there. <laughs> Great. His breath was coming in hives and gulps of air, almost as if it just flat, he had just like ran a mile. He looked at the other guys with him and his fear was reflected in their eyes. Why were we doing this? Are we crazy? I think the answer to that is yes. Absolutely. Yes. His heart was throwing itself against his ribs, trying to escape anything would have been better than doing what he was about to do. He slowly turned to face the house. Darkness oozed out of it like blood. The house seemed to be breathing. The crashing inside, just a maniacal heartbeat of death. He slowly, almost desperately, reached his hands up to feel the window seal. He's at the house now. He's feeling the window seal with his fingertips as he slowly stood to peer in, his fingers hovering an inch away, too terrified to actually touch the window. The banging, crashing, screaming, drumming, chopping had now reached its climax and the house surely was going to fall on them when suddenly his fingers made contact and everything just stopped. It was dead silent. The breath sounded like screaming in the silence around them. He looked at the other guys and they were just as confused as him. What the heck happened? He peered into the dark hole that used to be glass and saw nothing, just darkness. The room was filled with broken furniture and dust and lint chippings. They all three stood up and looked in. Nothing. After about ten minutes of looking and of silence, they started to walk back, which seemed like a three-hour walk, but it really just took like five minutes. They got back to the camp and sat around the fire that had burned itself out. How long were they gone? Okay, you went back to camp? No. I would have been. I would have been in the car. Well, I wouldn't have gone that far anyway. Well, yeah, but I would have been in the car. I wouldn't have gone back to the camp. All right. They looked at each other. It didn't say anything. They got the fire going again and sat around it. Just as it got to the size it was before they left, they heard the drumming again. And that is where the story ends. That's creepy. So my question is, did you go back the next day, like in the daylight, and see if it looked the same. Oh, that is a good question. Well, we do know one thing. We know Tony lived to write this email. That's true. So <laughs> I'm going to guess that he probably just left it there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to give special thanks to Tony and everybody else who does contribute to Fantastic Cruising every week. It does really help to make the show more fun when you guys interact. So please keep those questions and emails coming. Fantastic Cruising at gmail.com. Now, Kimbra, before we end tonight, well, I say tonight because that's the appropriate time to listen to a Halloween episode, but whenever you're listening, before we get to the end, we do have one announcement that's not Halloween-related at all. Yeah? What is it? We're going to go on a cruise. Yeah, I know, in October. We already talked about that. No, not that cruise. I'm talking a, a cruise that's closer, much, 
much closer. We're going on another cruise? We're going on another cruise! Yes! And this one is in February. Yes. And this cruise is going to be... Now, we actually kind of announced this in Para DJ's live stream like a week or so ago, but... We had to change the date a little bit. We sure did. We had said it was going to be earlier in February. It's actually going to be later in February. And what ship are we going on, Kimbra? The Brilliance of the Seas. Brilliant! The Brilliance of the Seas. And look, I have not been on a Royal Caribbean ship for several years. You have not been on a Royal Caribbean ship in ever. I'm so excited to try something different. Yes. It's it's a it's a pretty exciting ship. I haven't been on this ship at all. So it's going to go and port in Tampa. And then we're going down to, let's see, it's Western Caribbean. But really, it just it's a, it's a five-night cruise, right? So yep. it's not super long, but it's what we could do with our time off and stuff. So it goes to Grand Cayman mm-hmm. and it goes to Cozumel. Two of my favorite places. There you go. So uh, these are different ports and we're going in October. I love both these ports as well. So I am super, super excited to go on this cruise. What about you? I'm ecstatic. Yes. And? And? It'll be our first cruise together. Aww. (laughs) That makes it even better. So uh, I'm sure we are going to vlog this and we'll have more announcements about that in the coming weeks. But February seems so far away, but it seems a lot closer than next October. I think it's like... 119 days or something like that. Something like that. All right, Kimbra. Well, that's going to wrap up our Halloween episode. (laughs) Oh, you didn't stop me. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening in. I hope you guys did enjoy this. If you did, please let us know. Your feedback is super valuable to us. We need to know what we're doing right. We need to know what we need to change. So please send us emails to fantasticcruising at gmail.com or even more important, go over to wherever you listen to podcasts, especially iTunes. Very helpful. And leave us a star review and also some words. And let us know if you enjoyed this Halloween episode. Do you want us to do another Halloween episode? Do you want a Christmas episode? Do you want uh, whatever? I don't know. It was fun making this one. It was spooktacular. It was spooktacular. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and take it out. Hey. Bye, everyone. See you on the ship side. And have a fantastic week. Blah, blah.
Have a fantastic Halloween, everybody.